Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the topics of security, technology, society, and human meaning. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that curates tens of hours of reading into a concise 15-minute summary, as well as regular episodes featuring essays, interviews, and book reviews on these same topics. The goal is to provide a weekly, concise, and curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 322. This is Daniel Meisler, starting off with security news. The White House gave a private intelligence briefing to around 30 TikTok influencers last week. This comes after significant sharing of intelligence with the public before the invasion in Ukraine started, which was an attempt to counteract the disinformation coming from Russia about operations on the ground, as well as the reason for the invasion. I think both of these moves have been pivotal in keeping the global non-Russian, non-Chinese coalition united against Russia's actions. And now with this briefing of TikTok influencers, I think the whole U.S. approach to controlling the narrative has been absolutely brilliant. Western intel groups are investigating a cyber attack against broadband satellite internet service in Ukraine. The attacks happened right at the start of the invasion, and satellite modems for tens of thousands of European customers were taken offline as a result of the attack. And it is obviously believed that Russia was responsible for these attacks. Google's Threat Analysis Group, TAG, has issued a report on the threat landscape related to Ukraine. Some of the highlights, Fancy Bear APT28 has run several large phishing campaigns against Ukrnet, which is a Ukrainian media company. Ghost Rider UNC1151 out of Belarus has conducted phishing campaigns against Polish and Ukrainian military organizations and web users of a number of internet providers. And Mustang Panda has targeted European entities with malware lures related to Ukraine, and also multiple DDoS campaigns have been identified targeting Ukrainian sites. Sponsor for this week, Jupiter One. Seven separate security leaders share their experience and vision. In this exclusive ebook from Jupiter One, seven separate security leaders share their stories of failures and success, roadmaps you can use to improve your cybersecurity programs, and their visions for the future of cybersecurity. And you can download the modern cybersecurity ebook here. Ukraine's Ministry of Defense is now using Clearview AI's facial recognition for multiple purposes, including to vet people at checkpoints, to identify Russian operatives, to reunite refugees, and to identify the dead. Clearview AI says they have not offered this technology to Russia. I personally think that resisting this type of technology is like resisting database technology or machine learning. It's simply too useful to keep in a bottle. Databases, ML, and facial recognition can all be used for good or for harm, and the question is how we shape ourselves more towards the former and less towards the latter. Our efforts need to be spent on that, right? Trying to do the right thing with attack, as opposed to fighting the inevitable. A document produced by the Russian Department of Information and Telecommunication Support, which is a Kremlin security apparatus, has advised Russia media that, quote, it is essential to use as much as possible fragments of broadcasts of the popular Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who sharply criticizes the action of the United States and NATO, their negative role in unleashing the conflict in Ukraine, 
and the defiantly provocative behavior from the leadership of the Western countries and NATO toward the Russian Federation and towards President Putin personally. End quote. So nice of Carlson to be standing up for Putin against those pesky Americans. Also, how the hell did the GOP become the pro-Russia party? Like, this is just insane to me. This is one place I'm firmly with Reagan, you know, in the anti-KGB narrative, which is essentially what Russia is at this point. And I think if Reagan were alive right now looking at Republicans defending Russia against the U.S., he would lose his shit completely. Russia may be looking to use ransomware payments to bypass sanctions. Makes sense. No auditing there. It's already illegal. What are you going to do? Got some critical vulnerabilities in SAP monitoring solutions and HP UFI firmware flaws, high criticality and affecting millions of devices. And Cyber Sixtral threat intelligence has raised $35 million. Technology news President Biden released an executive order around cryptocurrency. To me, the order essentially said one thing We're here, we see you. We're watching closely, more to follow. I actually kind of like that approach. They're also hinting at creating their own digital currency, but mostly just talking about how to make sure the entire space is safer, more transparent, and generally better for everyone, including the environment. I know a lot of people won't agree that this is positive anyway, because obviously the government is always evil or whatever, but I appreciate this messaging. I would much rather see this than A, saying nothing, or B, declaring that they're going to burn all of crypto to the ground. Amazon just launched a Twitter Spaces slash Clubhouse clone called AMP. The key difference is rather than hosting conversations, it's all about hosting DJ music shows. So they're basically looking to disrupt the entire radio industry using a Clubhouse style app. And there's no reason, of course, that they won't do regular conversations like Spaces as well. But yeah, this is interesting. Maybe even like live podcasting, but this is a direct shot at radio itself. Stripe now supports crypto businesses such as exchanges, on-ramps, wallets, and NFT marketplaces. In other words, they went all in on crypto. And this is not the first time. They kind of got in, got out, and did that a couple of times, and now they're definitely going all in. Android rolled out a cool new feature that lets you say, hey Google, pay for my parking, which will help you avoid using cards or coins at parking meters and also help you avoid getting tickets. The owners of Bored Apes has acquired the CryptoPunks NFT collection. So we've got some consolidation in the NFT space, and these two properties combined are currently worth around $3.6 billion. That's million with a B. Human news. China just put millions of people into COVID lockdown. The reported cases doubled Sunday to 3,400, and Shenzhen has been hit especially hard. A number of northeastern cities actually are in lockdown. Really interesting. I'm curious about this. I don't know if they're vaccinated or if they were immune before because they'd already been infected and now that immunity is wearing off or is the vaccination wearing off. I'm really curious about what is causing the surge and whether or not we can expect that over here. Obama tested positive for COVID. He appears to have minor symptoms. DeepMind is being used to translate damaged ancient texts in a project called Ithaca. Got a really cool free version online as well. They're encouraging people to use the research. 
And someone spent $518,000 on Tom Brady's, quote, final touchdown pass. And they did this four hours before he announced that he's actually coming back for next season. That's got to suck. Content ideas and analysis. Not all MFA is equal, and the differences matter a lot. This is a piece on the most important factor in modern MFA systems, which is anti-phishing defense. And I just released the updated version of the CHASM model. And this version makes it more clear that only level 7 and 8 are codeless options, where you're not actually getting an MFA code. All the others are still vulnerable to phishing because they provide a user with a MFA code manually, which they can copy and paste. And if they have that code, that means that code can be fished from them or vished. So they could give it over the phone. They could put it into a, uh, a web form of some sort or any place that they put it, malware could potentially get it. Whereas level seven and eight of this model, you don't get a code at all. It all happens transparently in the background and therefore are much better against phishing. Next one here, the consumer authentication security maturity model. That's Chasm V6. So I updated the Chasm to version 6 to account for exactly this. It basically clarifies levels 6 through 8 and makes it more clear which levels are better against phishing. How to tell the difference between a legitimate NFT and a rug pull. Analysis of the NFT space and a possible way to tell real projects from those that are doomed. Next one here. Stolen fingerprint databases aren't that threatening yet. A Twitter thread where I respond to someone saying biometric Authentication is scary because you can't change your face or your finger. And I have a strong intuition here, which I talk about in this post, but I'm not perfectly decided on this. I haven't heard good arguments against me, but I've also not heard any arguments against me. So if you review this and you think differently, please let me know. I feel still agnostic on this, even though my feelings are strong. That makes sense. Next item here is a quote from Twitter that I put out, if the project doesn't make sense by itself, it also doesn't make sense as an NFT or as something, something crypto. If the project doesn't make sense by itself, it also doesn't make sense as an NFT or as something, something crypto. And that is a little bit of an excerpt of the, how to tell the difference between legitimate NFT and a rug pull. Basically you've got to search for the value inside of our project and NFTs and crypto and web three, they can all be awesome for adding incentives and really cool dynamics to a project but the project has to have its own value its own merit you've got to be able to articulate that in some sort of way and like 95 percent of these nfts at least that i hear about they're literally selling the hype and they can't articulate any value for the project itself so i would say run away from those notes on average i review about 3,000 stories a week to prepare for a given show, I then trim that to around 150 saved items, which I then read in more depth. And from there, I end up with the 25 to 50 or so stories for a given show. So essentially from around 3,000 to around 50. And the process takes between 10 and 20 hours, depending on the week. Got an idea here that I'm throwing around when I do commentary in the news section to basically italicize it. And this is for the text version, obviously. So I clearly delineate where the news stops and where the analysis starts. I think it's fairly clear already, but I don't know. Think about calling it out more just because of the times we live in. And I just added this new biography on John von Neumann to my reading list. 
which I'm looking forward to. Discovery. Two people I recommend you follow on Twitter. Renee DeResta, who is at no upside on Twitter. And she is brilliant in her analysis of mis and disinformation. And Tim Tyler, super old friend of mine, super awesome guy, constant thirst for knowledge. He is one of the first people that got me hyper excited in like reading. And he's always reading himself. He's always tweeting out the coolest stuff from books that he's reading or articles or whatever. And he doesn't focus at all on growing an audience or doing anything like that. He just tweets away really cool stuff. You should follow him. His handle is ttyler9. Why Putin Can't Back Down. Next one here. I read the top 100 scientific papers of all time. It's a cool YouTube video. Hiding images in plain sight. Matt Ferraro made a physical object that looks totally transparent. It's like a, it's like a block of glass. Looks transparent, but when you shine light through it, it creates 2D and 3D images. Super, super cool. How to get the most out of your one-on-ones? Regrets of the dying. We are in the first open source intelligence war. Sam Curry, one of the best bounty people out there, is going to do a talk at KernelCon where he talks about vulnerabilities in crypto web apps. Based on Sam's reputation, I think that is going to be a fire talk. The Age of Houseplants, what things cost in ancient Rome, web scraping, how to do hardcore web scraping at scale by Nikolai Chacher, CICD Offsec, Common Threat Matrix for CICD Pipelines by Hiroki Suizawa, Insider Threat, the Insider Threat TTP Knowledge Base, the Insider Threat Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures. Knowledge base aims to advance our collective understanding of the technical mechanisms that insider threats have used. Cloud Offsec, AWS Scaled Command Bash Script, run AWS commands across multiple profiles by Johan Rayberger. And Hardware Hacking, Firmwire, a full system baseband firmware analysis platform that supports Samsung and MediaTek. Recommendation for the week. This week, as an update to your routine, do your best to avoid the regrets of the dying, which is an article we mentioned above. And these regrets include, one, not living true to yourself versus what others expect of you. Two, working too hard. Three, not expressing your feelings. Four, not staying in touch with friends. And five, not letting yourself be happy. So people that are dying, when they look back at their lives, these are the five things that they worry about. And you have the opportunity, if you're listening to this, to try to fix some of these right now. And that's my recommendation for the week. The aphorism for the week is a sane person to an insane society must appear insane. A sane person to an insane society must appear insane. Kurt Vonnegut. Have a great week.